Welcome to Resistance Network Radio. Resistance Network Radio is not about polls, petitions, or phone calls to politicians. This is where you're going to learn the skills, the tradecraft, to function in the resistance without getting caught. Now, as soon as Donald Trump won the presidential election, the internet filled up with hashtag resist and hashtag resistance. Most of those were appended to tweets and to Facebook posts for petitions and phone campaigns to congressmen. Now, all that stuff is important, but if you're serious about actual resistance, there are some things you're going to need to do. First of all, what are we resisting? We're going to need to get a few definitions in order. Let's start with the labels people have been using online to describe the promises that Trump has been making about the kind of country he wants to turn America into. People have been calling him a fascist. A fascist is someone who uses hate speech and religion to promote the central authority of a dictator. They use nationalism. In other words, the idea that one country or one people or some people born in a country, any group, is better than some other group. And they pit those groups against each other. Fascists do not allow a free press. They don't allow opposition. Workers are always told by fascists that they're on their side. But it's always the workers who end up having to foot the bill. Because corporations are given free reign under fascism to make as much money as possible. All they have to do in return is kiss the dictator's ass. The tools fascists use to build power are racial hate speech, religious hate, and the idea that some kind of elite someplace is also to blame. By blaming elites, fascists are able to make sure that the crowds they've incited against other races or other nationalities are also available to threaten other wealthy or influential people who otherwise might get ideas about challenging the dictator's power. When fascists come to power, they rely on enforcement. They rely on the enforcement by mobs of supporters who will listen to anything they say. And then, once they're in power and have the authority to put badges and uniforms on them, they turn them into army and police. Fascists demand total loyalty. They take the power to shut up anyone they don't like, from individual citizens who are locked up to newspapers they shut down if they don't like what they print. Another word that crops up a lot online lately is authoritarianism. Authoritarianism is any system that transfers personal power away from citizens. The typical things are limiting information or limiting free speech, increasing police and surveillance powers. Authoritarians are concerned not with the well-being of the people, but with the preservation of their own power. They use violence, whether it's inflicted by street gangs that they direct or by uniformed forces. The more violence they use, the more normal it becomes in the lives of the citizenry. And in turn, they can use more of it. Authoritarians limit your right to vote or to participate in the political process. 
authoritarians use any tactic that rewards their followers with jobs, money, and power. They develop preferred political parties, and only the meetings of those parties are legal to attend. Other parties are made illegal, or they're pressured out of existence by being called unpatriotic. Authoritarians consider themselves free to listen in on your conversations. They consider themselves free to read your emails, to read your texts, to monitor your banking transactions, and to use any information about you that originates with you to prosecute you. Authoritarians use the legal system to harass and to intimidate. It's not for justice. They use it to jail and to execute their enemies. They know that when your family and friends see you bankrupted and locked up, they're going to shut up too. Fascists are a kind of authoritarian. Not all authoritarians are fascists. Fascists are what we consider right-wing in American political discourse. Authoritarians can come in any political stripe. There have been as many so-called left-wing authoritarians as there have been right-wing authoritarians in the world. And for our purpose, it doesn't matter. All of them, left-wing, right-wing, all of them, authoritarians do the same things to monitor and intimidate the people. And it is those things that you can learn the skills to fight back. The first thing to understand is that there is one basic ground rule to resistance. It's the ground rule that guides all the others. The rule is that you are not in a resistance until you decide that you really are. That means that you accept upfront that the things you need to learn you will completely and properly learn. You will make sure you put the procedures and the practices you learn into common use, everyday use, that you use them all the time. Consistency is the hallmark of a good resistance operator. What I mean by consistency is this. A good example of the right and wrong kinds of consistency is walking home on the same street all the time. For someone operating in a resistance, that is the wrong kind of consistency. The right kind is the opposite, being consistent about understanding why you cannot walk home on the same street, because you understand that that's going to make you a predictable target for anyone who wants to watch you or arrest you or hurt you. The right kind of consistency is to never not do the things that can get you or others in jeopardy. It's easy to put resistance in a hashtag, but resistance is not a game. It's a serious effort to impede the actions of those in power. I'm going to repeat that. Resistance is a serious effort to impede the actions of the people in power. Usually resistances develop in response to the threat of dangerous governments. In World War II, the Nazis occupied most of France, including Paris. 
They rounded people up. They tortured them. They hanged them from street lamps. They sent them to concentration camps to be killed. They made everyone turn in their radios on pain of execution. They took over the housing, the food, everything. To stop them, many people joined the resistance. Unfortunately, they joined them much too late. By then, tens of thousands of Jews had been rounded up and forced onto cattle cars and taken to death camps. To stop them, many everyday people joined the resistance. The distinguishing thing about the resistance was not that everyone fought with a gun. People did what they could. An old man on crutches could carry a package of bullets to those who needed them. An old woman confined to her apartment could hide someone or keep an eye on the street to warn others. The lesson was that everyone who opposed the evil of a government that killed, that jailed, that tortured, that eliminated their human rights and participation in their own political future, the lesson was that everyone could do something. Right now in America, the lives of a lot of people are already under a version of authoritarian rule. Look at how many are shot and killed by police. Look how many people are arrested for driving only because of the color of their skin. Look how many people are in jail for having a joint of marijuana. Look at the way poor neighborhoods are kept poor. Look at the ways education is limited or how the vo how votes are suppressed. And now there's the threat that things are going to get a lot worse. We have an incoming president who has told us that he intends to curtail free speech rights. He has said that illegal voting kept him from winning the popular vote. That's a typical ploy to increase voting restrictions. A senator has already introduced actual legislation to allow only people who can produce passports or birth certificates to vote. A man who has supported racist organizations in Alabama, who called an attorney boy in court, is being placed in charge of the entire justice system. Another man who has called for sending one million Americans to Guantanamo is being considered for the top security enforcement job. And a president who has bragged about paying off politicians has now told the New York Times that he will do everything he can to enrich himself using the office of the presidency of the United States. All of those are the same ingredients we've seen in all the other authoritarian regimes that have made the lives of the people miserable and dangerous. Those are the ingredients that lead to the need for a resistance. We need it now. We might not need it today, tonight, or tomorrow, but we have to get to work now because the worst thing is to need the tools of resistance and not to have them. That's what this series is for, to learn the basic tools. These tools might not give you the upper hand because after all, the government is always going to have the guns and the armored trucks and the body armor and the courts and the cops. But these tools will keep you from providing them with the excuses to bulldoze you, or at least to keep you from providing them unnecessarily. The very first thing we have to do is to learn to secure our communications. If you're like most people, every communication you have that isn't face-to-face -face is 100% electronic. You text, 
you email, you phone, you post online on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. So communications and getting those safe is going to be a big part of this. And the point of this first transmission is to accomplish three things. The first thing will be to understand why you're going to take the first step towards securing your communications by encrypting them. The second thing will be to take the first step to do that by downloading an app. This is going to be an easy first thing to do and the most important one. Because with this first step, you're going to see how easy it is to get started and you're going to begin to feel the first sense of actual empowerment by resisting. The third thing is to cover a few basic concepts that are going to apply throughout all of our discussions. The first is what encryption is. Encryption is a software program that takes your data and turns it into a bunch of random looking gibberish that nobody can read except for the person who you want to read it. It can be anything, texts, emails, photos, videos, your voice over the phone. All of that is data when it leaves your phone. And all of it can be encrypted so strongly that no government could ever read it. In fact, an encrypted communication would have so many possible combinations that they would have to explore to crack it that the number of combinations would exceed the number of atoms in the entire universe. So they're not going to be coming up with that kind of computational power anytime soon. By doing that, the degree of encryption that is available to you is just as strong as if you were a spy working for the CIA using government hardware and software. It's available to us now. Now, encryption is not coding. Encrypting isn't a code. Codes are things that replace one word or one idea with another one. The earliest secret writing was a code. They used one letter of the alphabet to substitute for another. Code is also when you say, pick me up a loaf of bread, and you and the person you're speaking to both know that when you say bread, you actually mean a six-pack of beer. Code is saying, I'll meet you at the merry-go-round, and actually meaning a motel. The earliest code was thousands of years ago. They used it in Rome when commanders needed messengers to carry orders to soldiers, and they substituted A for B and B for C and so on. It didn't take too many captured messengers before they figured that out, and it's gotten more complicated ever since. Encryption doesn't work like that. It doesn't substitute one thing for another. It uses software that applies complex mathematics to the numbers that your messages are made of. It takes that and runs it through more steps until it produces a random-looking string of letters and numbers. It never repeats anything. Nobody can figure it out, including the NSA. Now, let's just imagine for a second if Hillary Clinton and her campaign had used these simple tools. There's an encryption tool for your email that's just as easy to use as regular email. All the Russians would have gotten was gibberish. 
There would have been nothing for the FBI to complain about, nothing for her political enemies to accuse her of. So why didn't they use it? You'll see why. You'll see in your own experience why. And the reason you're going to see it is because the same thing is going to happen to you. And that is because unless you commit to using it and get other people, the people you're communicating with, to commit to using it too, it will not be used. You're going to have to download the first app that we're going to talk about in a minute. And you're going to have to get the people you communicate with to use it too. It's easy. There's nothing to this. This is just like any of the other million apps you've got on your phone. But yet, you will see how hard it is to get other people to use it. But that's going to be part of your job in the resistance, is to get other people to do this stuff too. It's the only hope we have. And one day, when you really need it, and you haven't done it, you will look back on how easy it could have been you're going to have to download this first app. The one we're going to talk about is called Signal Private Messenger. We'll get to that in a minute. Now, one reason that it's hard to get people to use it is because people think that it just doesn't make any difference if the government ever gets a hold of text messages that tell somebody to pick up a box of Q-tips at the store. If it's a text message to your girlfriend saying you'll be at her house at 8. But there are some reasons, and really good reasons, why you should care. The first is that you have to be in the habit of sending every message you send encrypted. If you don't, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. The first is that when you do need one day, even if it's only one time in your life, that you need to send an encrypted message, when you are making a secret arrangement or helping a friend who is on the run. And if you only send one encrypted message, then the authorities will know that that's the message that counts. Even if they can't read it, they might be able to tell who sent it, who you sent it to, and figure out something from there. If instead, every message from you, every message they see coming from your phone, from your phone number, all those Q-tips and times you're coming over, if all of that is encrypted, they'll never know where to look. Encrypted will be your normal. Nothing will ever stand out. So that's one reason. The other reason is more philosophical. And this is important for anybody who's going to be in the resistance. We know, because it has been revealed by leaks of official government documents by Edward Snowden, and before that it's been known for about 30 years because of the work of a journalist named James Bamford, that every single communication you make is intercepted and stored by the government. Every text, every phone call, every video, every photo, everything you send by text, by SMS, MS, MMS, by email, everything is in their possession. They're all on drive somewhere. Are they ever going to read them? No, I doubt it. And there wouldn't be enough time in the world, but they could. And let's say that one day the FBI puts together a list of people who showed up at a protest in your neighborhood or somebody who wrote a nasty Facebook post about the president or about your congressman or your mayor, or the chief of police in your town. 
Well, then they can go back and look at your tapes. So why would you want to have them out there if you can prevent it? And by the way, no matter what you've said, no matter how innocent it is, you're cooked if they want to cook you. The authorities can use anything against you that they want to. You said you'd be at your girlfriend's house at 8. Well, there happened to be a hit and run in your neighborhood at 7.55 that day. Or somebody knocked over a liquor store. Or there was a car stolen. They can make anything up. And just like that, a prosecutor is handing you a transcript of your texts to read in court. So the philosophical question is, why give anybody that power over you? Why let them get away with having recordings of your voice, copies of your text? They have no right. And you have the right to make a simple choice to stop them. If you're going to be in the resistance, you must adopt that attitude. That you do not want to give the government anything about yourself that you don't have to. You don't want to give the government anything about yourself that you don't have to. Not one word. Okay, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of this first transmission. The app I'm recommending here is for your smartphone. It's for Android or iPhone. The name of the app is Signal Private Messenger. Signal Private Messenger. It will make your texts, your phone calls, MMS, videos, photos, anything you send in your regular texting app encrypted. It can also do group chats, all of it encrypted. Here's how it works. First, you need to understand that it's something called an open source program. That's very important. For any of the kind of things that we're going to be discussing, you can't trust anything that is not open source. Open source means that the software code is available for anybody to look at. And very, very serious people do just that. They examine it for vulnerabilities, for ways the government or anyone can overcome it to make sure that it's not some kind of fake put out there by the authorities to lull you into thinking you can say anything you want to. Secondly, this system is something called end-to-end -end encryption. End-to-end -end encryption. That means that when you send a text or make a call or send a video or photo, the app encrypts it inside your phone before it sends it anywhere. Then it sends that gibberish to the phone of the person you want to receive it, and it's decrypted there in their phone. So even if somebody intercepted it, they wouldn't be able to read it. And even if they came up with a warrant for your communications and gave it to the company to signal, the company would tell them truthfully that they don't have your data. Their servers just don't store it. Only you and your recipient can read it or see it. Signal uses their own servers to send the message instead of the phone or internet company that you usually use. Those companies work with the government. Verizon, AT&T, all of them have had decades long cooperation, Verizon before it was Verizon, with the government. They were even allowed to run actual cables in and out of their phone offices and their router installations. Signals not doing that is a big deal. The only thing the government might be able to get is timestamp information, the stuff they call metadata. 
metadata is just what number sent something to another number at what time. To get that, they'd have to get a warrant from the internet companies like Apple or Google or your ISP that might have picked up the transmission to send it to Signal that relayed it. Even that is not sure that they'd have it, but at least they for sure wouldn't have the content of your information. Signal warns you that that timestamp data, even though they don't collect it, might be collected by someone else. They'd have to get a warrant from the internet companies. And even then, if they get that, they still will never get the content of your communication because it just won't exist. Signal gets a 100% approval from trusted people and trusted groups who've been paying attention to nothing but these privacy and encryption matters for decades. Edward Snowden recommends it. The company that makes it provides that system to other messaging apps like WhatsApp. Okay, WhatsApp is based on this. This is the software in it. But you don't want to use WhatsApp because WhatsApp is a Facebook company. And they tell you up front in the terms of service, which are nice and clearly written, that they might provide anything that comes across their network to the authorities. So why would you agree to that? Signal is the same software, except reserved and completely for your privacy without a way out for the company to cooperate with the government. Signal's completely secure. Go to the App Store or to Google Play and search for Signal Private Messenger. It's free. There are no in-app purchases. Nobody's making a buck. Nobody's getting a cut. There's no pro version. They don't ask you for money. It's a great looking app and it works fantastically. This is truly top quality stuff. Using this app is going to be your first step into the actual resistance. I've also petitioned. I've also called congressmen's offices, but I also knew that there are other aspects to resistance that may be riskier, that may place one in greater jeopardy. And this is the first step into dealing with accepting the possibility of that kind of resistance. Download the app. Take that first step. Do it now. Uh, there are a couple of things you're going to need to understand. That app only works between people who are both running it, or for group chats where everybody's running it. After all, if you send something to somebody and that message is encrypted, the recipient has to be able to read it. But this is important. Even when you are only sending encrypted messages, okay, always, this will apply to everything that you ever do, you still never want to come out and say anything that you wouldn't want used against you in a court of law or that you wouldn't want handed to a sniper to identify you? What if the phone you're sending it to is in the possession of the authorities? What if the person you're sending it to has a gun to their head? There's stuff that can go wrong. Use the program and you will be protected. The likelihood of things like that happening are very slim, but never let protection lull you into thinking that you're invulnerable. You wouldn't start building a fire on the floor of your house just because you bought a fire extinguisher. As you protect your communications, it's going to enter your consciousness and you're going to automatically start thinking about stuff like that more. And we'll be discussing it more here. 
Now, who do you text with the most? Call that person once you've downloaded this app and gotten used enough to it and poked around it a little bit so you understand how to work it. Call that person or share the link to the app from Google Play or the App Store and insist that they use it too. Tell them you won't respond to regular texts anymore. It's really that easy, but unfortunately, that's what it usually takes. They're going to delay. Expect that. They're going to tell you they're cooking or walking the dog or they're playing the ukulele or some goddamn thing. People are lazy and they don't like new things. The idea of switching to a new messaging app is like asking some people to undergo an amputation. You're going to have to convince them. The best way is to refuse texts. Ignore them if they don't come from that app. Downloading the app and installing it takes a minute. Nobody's got an excuse not to do it. And you're going to be amazed at the resistance you meet. You're going to have to persist. And Signal works just like your existing text service. It needs an internet connection, Wi-Fi or the cell. That doesn't matter, but it does need that. If you're using it over the cell system, you know, just be aware of your data charges for video or photos. But for text, the amount of data used over the cell system is negligible. We are entering a period when sudden pressures from authorities can come up at any time. In the establishment of any authoritarian regime, there has been street violence. There have been sudden shifts in how the police use their power. Things can happen quickly. Even if it's not a matter of violence, you can be sure that things are going to be happening quickly on the level of surveillance and intrusion into your privacy. So you must prepare in advance. This is stuff we have to do now. Start with Signal. Subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about Resistance Network Radio. And I'll keep getting more techniques to you. We're going to be discussing in the future encrypting your email. We'll be discussing ways to get around unnoticed, ways to transfer documents or packages to someone without being detected, ways to transfer money. We're going to be talking about general techniques for just staying under the radar, for ways not to arouse people's suspicions. Share the podcast. Tell people about Resistance Network Radio. We'll see you next time.